Welcome to Until Saturday. Max and Sam here with you heading into week five. Max Olson, senior writer at The Athletic. Of course, I'm Sam Kahn, college football tech expert at The Athletic. Max, how are you today, sir? Good, bud. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, excited. We're about quarter way, no, a third of the way through the season. Let me do my math right. Mm-hmm. Sound like Ari over here getting my math equations incorrect. But uh, mm-hmm. third of the way through the season and uh, learning a lot. Got to got to see some Texas A&M and Auburn over the weekend. So that was uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, got to take in plenty of the night games that came on when I got back home. So uh, excited about this week. Uh, we got. I, fi- I finished Moana yesterday. That was exciting. You did. What'd you think? Finish it. Oh, wonderful. It's wonderful terrific. movie. Yeah, it's terrific. The twist I, I at the it, end with the uh, with the villain, incredible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just what yeah. a. I mean, that movie holds up. There you go. Yeah, it, it was good. I, I thought it was really well done. So I'm glad you. I'm glad you followed through. Now, did did, did Theo make it all the way through? The he finally. He finally. Uh, either was too tired to object or got distracted <laughs> and went and played with his train set or whatever. But yeah, he let us finish one for once. Good, good. Well, I'm glad. And then he was back on Minions this morning. So, you oh, know, he was, man, my yeah. kids are on the Minions too. <laughs> and so we have to listen to the soundtrack of the Minions singing like normal popular oh, music yeah. in the, yeah. in the Minionese. And so that's, uh, I, I, when they were on the way home from school the other day, Christopher asked me if I could play Rolling Stones, uh, in the Minions. And I did so. <laughs> mm. Does that drive, always, does the minion knees drive you crazy? Or are you? Okay it's okay. It's fine. yeah. I, 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 can I, I, I can handle it for a little while. The chip. It's better than the chipmunks. The chipmunks music. Oh. Alvin and the chipmunks music. In popular, I'm never music. going to offer to play that. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he watched it, so I had to. But it's uh, okay. uh, yep. since you finished Moana, I will make a point to watch Encanto before we talk. Yeah, since I still haven't, so I'll make sure to do that. But. Uh, enough for your Disney movie hour. Audrey Snyder is going to be our guest today. Penn State Rider of the Athletic joins us later. Come in and talk about the Nittany Lions. We're off to a great start. We'll do a Heisman Trophy redraft. We, we always do our preseason one. We'll do a little September version of it with me and Max here with some of the candies we've seen emerge so far. And we'll talk a little Pac-12 to, to start things off with four teams in, in the top 10 of the AP rankings. Of course, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review and leave us a question. If it is a five-star review, we'll answer that question on the show. Uh, of course, to be sure to su- subscribe on YouTube to Until Saturday. You can get the live show on Thursday with the picks, Saturday night with the reaction, Sunday with the sound off, which is always fun. Uh, we had Dan Rubenstein on uh, from the Solid Verbal join David and Ari on, on the sound off this Big week. Get. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then, of course, if you want to participate in the sound off, text or leave a voicemail at the Uncell Saturday phone line, 316-462-9852, 316-462-9852. We love those voicemails in particular. that They add a lot of color to the show. And, of course, sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter. That's where you'll get your daily fill of college football news in your inbox. Uh, Jana Bardall, wrote, who wrote, writes the newsletters, wrote on Monday about her selection at the college football playoff mock selection, which is a great experience. I did it about five years ago, and it really teaches you a lot about how these committee members evaluate the playoff teams and what really goes into it. And I've got to tell you, it's a lot harder than it looks. It's harder than it looks. I, I had I did a mock as well, and I uh, was fortunate to get to do that. And we got 2014, um, which is the first year of the playoff. And I could not. Oh, how would that I go could not with the Baylor-TCU thing at the end? I could not get people to drop Florida State for Baylor or TCU. And it was, uh, 
It was an interesting experience to learn. You can feel strongly about how it should be, but you're mm-hmm. just one of many voters in that room. You know what I mean? We have, people mm-hmm. always talk about, oh, the committee's trying to send a message and like, nah, that's not really how it goes because <laughs> no. these people do not all get along, you know, or, or no. do not all agree on things. No, no. And those discussions can get pretty, pretty interesting and pretty spirited. I, I remember sure. when we had ours, uh, I think Dan Orlovsky was part of it. And I remember listening to him talk and listening to some of the others talk and debate on, on eye test versus metrics. So, uh, I, know, really I had Joel Klatt in mind and everyone was just like, let Klatt cook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause th- these guys who, who have played it and know it at that level, you certainly, uh, are certainly open to that insight, but, uh, the link totally. to that newsletter in the show description. So be sure to check that out. Uh, but Max, let's talk some PAC 12. We've done We've talked a lot of PAC 12 this year, but as we sit here, the AP poll that came out on Sunday, four PAC 12 teams, in the top 10 right now, Washington at seven, USC at eight, Oregon at nine, Utah at 10. Uh, I'm curious, as we get through a third of this season here, we've gotten to see a feel for these teams. Max, who's the best one of this group so far? Dude, I, I'm not not trying to come in hot here, but as you sort through the resumes and you sort through just like the achievements of these teams so far, Sam, I don't think it's crazy to say that USC might be the third best team in the Pac-12 right now. And and that Ooh. let me say right now, okay? Because okay. certainly there's a difference, I think, in terms of the the quality of competition that they've run into so far. Um mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not not trying to cast a ton of doubt on them um just based on Arizona State hanging with them and this Arizona State team is one and three. I'm also not trying to get suspended from access to USC. So it's not I'm <laughs> I, you know, I'm just trying to I'm trying to play nice here, right? But you know, I think is this on the record, Max? Is are you this is, is on, this on this the is record? On the, record. the mics are, the mics side are on. Conversation the mics are going on. We don't watch yeah. side conversations. Um, <laughs> I think. I mean, I think it's people are clearly coming around. Maybe not. Maybe not all AP voters yet, but I think people are clearly coming around on on the possibility that Washington has been like the most impressive team in the country so far, or at least belongs to be in the top five. Now they're number seven in the AP poll right now, but. I, I like it's hard to poke many holes in what they're doing, man. Honestly, like th- this is an offense that uh, they've, they've got the number one passing attack in the country. Number one in terms of explosive plays. Um, they've also got we're going to we're going to talk a little bit of stop rate in this episode uh, because stop rates coming out this week on the athletic. I mean, Washington's also got a top 25 defense from that measure um, and and top 30 in terms of points per drive. So I, I think what Michael Penix and his wideouts are doing get the attention, but Honestly, this is like a, a it's a it's a balanced, really talented team that has, you know, just whooped Cal, has whooped Michigan State, whooped Boise State, who should be one of the better G5 teams. I think Washington is is great. And then, Sam, I mean, what can you say about Oregon coming off of that that performance against Colorado and Eugene? I mean, they're real. No, they are for real. And and I got to see a glimpse of Oregon earlier when they played Texas Tech and got a real sense for for how talented that team is. And then to see the leave no doubt fashion in which they mm-hmm. just took it to Colorado out of the gate, just dominating performance from from start to finish. And you could tell that team was playing with a chip. I love Bo Nix and I love the way they're using him right now. Uh that that this team I think I think of the four right now they're the one I feel best about long term. When mm-hmm. you talk about talent they have across the board, we talk about quarterback and everything. I think we I'm with you on Washington. I think Washington right now is my number one out of this group. 
I think they are the best, and I think they're playing the best right now. The That offense you talked about, you know how many yards per play they're averaging? They are averaging 9.23 yards per play. Nine point, they, they are damn near getting a first down every time <laughs> they snap the ball. Like, that's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, so that it's and number one in the country. With the way they've played too, that's with, you know, backups playing in the fourth quarter. They're still maintaining yeah. that. That tells you how explosive I mean, they've been. I mean, I remember we were talking, I think it was before week one, we were talking, well, Boise State's gonna give them trouble. They might, you know, that that might be a little bit of a trap game, and and they blew them out of the water. Of course, you know, we saw what they did the next few weeks, Tulsa, Michigan, and Cal. So I mean they they haven't been tested in a, in a real way yet but golly the 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 passing game Penix is playing at an incredible level the receivers mm-hmm. they're loaded at receiver and the offense is just a lot of fun to watch but like you said they're playing good defensively as well uh so so just at the pure level that they're playing right now I think Washington is is that team and yeah I, I can get down with Oregon being two and USC being three so I don't think that take that you're saying is is too too hot because I still think we still have questions about USC defensively and and if they're going to meet that level that they need to meet to to take this thing to another level. Uh, they, they certainly had their issues a little bit with Arizona State. That game was still kind of hanging in the balance a little bit in the second half, but uh, you know they still got Caleb Williams and, and you got to give them that. You know, and and that offense and we know what Lincoln Riley and that offense can do. Uh, so they got some players, but. This is a this is a this is an intense race and an intriguing race so far through the first four. Uh, uh, who who the are most those, intriguing who for sure? Feel, who who of those do you feel the best about long term? Like we know, okay, say we Washington's right now. Who, who do you feel best about? We're going to be talking two months from now. Hey, this is the team that's going to win this conference. By the way, I looked it up real quick. First half for Washington, just first half of games this year, they're averaging nine point eight yards per play. <sighs> And 321 <laughs> yards in just the first half of games. <laughs> Good Lord. That is just bananas. Yeah. Bananas. Yeah. Kalen DeBoer. Kudos, man. Yeah. I, and goes. that's the thing is I think he and Dane Laning have just, I'm, I'm not going to say they've done a perfect job, but like, man, they're just pushing all the right buttons with the, with these teams that they took over. Um, certainly like, I, I, you know, super impressive. Just what Kalen DeBoer has done, taking over for Jamie Lake getting them just right back to contender status. And then I, I think you saw from Oregon, like there's a lot to really like. Um, they've got really talented players all over the field. They've got the number one um, rushing offense in the country in terms of yards per, per attempt this season. Um, they're number one in points per drive. They can run the ball. Bo Nix can be the best version of himself in what they're doing offensively with Will Stein. And I just I think you saw a killer instinct on Saturday. And and so I, I really I mean, I my, USC was my pick to make the playoff when we did the preseason stuff. Um, but Oregon and Washington mm-hmm. are super tempting. And I think um, I think I feel I think I feel pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, Oregon's been challenged a little bit more than Washington has. I, I, the, the game in Lubbock was a good test for them. Um, but I think maybe Oregon would be the one I would say I, I feel the best about. But I'm not I'm. That might be. I'm not dissing Washington. I think that Oregon Washington matchup in Seattle is going to be uh, phenomenal. It's going to be. It's going to be a. a it's going to be a doozy. You mentioned Will Stein, by the way, uh, first year coordinator coming from UTSA. He did a really good job over there uh, down in San Antonio with Frank Harris. Definitely. Like I said, doing a phenomenal job with Bo Nix, and 
like some of the play design has been really, really creative and, and done a really good job of mixing it up. So I think they've been really good. Utah, the team we haven't talked about, I think mainly be mainly because they've been without their quarterback, Cam Rising. Yeah. And has been out and they've been just kind of having to get through with Nate Johnson and, and Bryson Barnes. And uh, but they're a team that, you know, of course they've won this conference and they're gonna be in they're gonna be in the mix, I think, down the stretch too. I just, you know, it's gonna be a matter of when when they can get when they get Cam healthy. But yeah, I think that's definitely factored into the way people look at Utah that um you're just kind of week to week with this. When when are they kind of back to full strength here? But if you told a Utah fan you're not gonna get Cam rising in the first four games. And you're going to be undefeated. You're going to be number 10. Um, and <laughs> like I, I think and, you know, even though the offense hasn't been great, you're getting through these games. Um, I, I, I think they'd, they'd be thrilled. Right. And, and that's a big reason for that, as you saw against UCLA in them holding UCLA to seven points, which is ridiculous. Um, you know, that defense is is really, really tough. And they're number eight in stop rate this week. Um makes sense based on the way they've played in, in some big games, you know, the way that, you know, that they, they've shut down Florida and you've seen Florida bounce back into the top 25 since that game. Um, so I think in terms of resume, like you have to take, you know, between Florida, UCLA and Baylor, like they've played some power five competition. Mm-hmm. I think Utah is, is going to be a problem. I mean, they're, they're the back-to-back champs for a reason. And as you go down that, if, if you put to me, I right now, I kind of put Utah maybe in that second tier of the PAC 12, Sam, with Washington state and Oregon state. But I think any of those teams, um, as we saw based on Washington state, Oregon state over the weekend, like I think all three of those teams are going to be a big problem in this race. Yeah, no, I, th- I think so. You, you look at the way Washington state is playing and the way Cam Ward's playing. I think they're going to be a real problem. Oregon state, you know, they've been doing a good job, uh, building that thing up. And, you know, they were, they were in that game, uh, over the weekend with Wazoo. So, no, I think I think there that's a good solid group of contenders uh right now. I think Utah is still the one you got to defer to uh of that group, but but I really do like what Jake Dickert's doing at Wazoo right now. I think uh he's got a good group and they seem to be playing with a certain edge, a certain mm-hmm. certain spirit about them. Uh and I don't know how much of that does that feed from the message up top. You know, we saw Dickert with a little bit of emotional speech reacting to some of the comments on college game day. Uh, over the weekend and, and the no one wants us bowl, uh, I think is the, was the term that Corso had tried. Yeah, people say, people but, don't care for that. Yeah. But, but, but I think he's done a good job ever since this realignment stuff happened, galvanizing that team. Oregon state, I think has, totally. has done really good too in terms of just, Hey, using that as a little bit of a, to burn a fire under you to say, Hey, you know, we're still here. We still matter. We're still, a team in fact a team to be reckoned with and and I think the they're playing with it and you can see it uh with them week in week out uh so yeah when you look at that that's a, that's a good group uh and and you've got a lot of good games coming up with the one team we're sitting here talking about the Pac-12 we haven't talked about Colorado yet of course they got Yeah hammered. what about Colorado? Do you let's, think do you think the frisky old Colorado Buffaloes we haven't even touched yeah, them. Yeah. They're 3 and 1. Mhm. UCLA is three and one. Arizona is three and one. So they're now in that mix with everybody else. Are we jumping totally off Colorado at this point, or or is it just hey they got hit with a dose of reality against a team that's much better at the line of scrimmage and what you know are they going to bounce back a little bit when they play USC this weekend? Yeah, I I think you're seeing a lot of people jump off the bandwagon off the Oregon game just because USC's next. You know, I think if there were a couple games um, where where Colorado could kind of get back on track. 
then you would you would, you would feel like okay, they're still kind of top twenty five team. Really exciting to watch all that. The the I mean, it's USC Colorado this week. Big noon kickoff. The ratings for that one are going to be insane too, right? I mean, yep. it's probably the, it's got to be the biggest game of the week, no matter what happened in Eugene. Um, I think. I'm, and I mentioned I mentioned on the pod last week. I think the things that concern you a little bit, Colorado, you know, reared, reared their ugly head in that game. And um, is that always going to happen when they play a team that's like supremely talented or superior in terms of talent? Possibly. You know, that that doesn't mean Colorado can't still find a way to get to six wins this year. But I think they're just putting so much on Shadur Sanders. And mm-hmm. when you just can't protect them uh, against you know, really good pass rush fronts. Um, and when you, when you start playing from behind the way that they did, it's just really hard to dig out of that hole. It just puts everything on him. Defense obviously wasn't good enough in that game. There were times when, you know, it was, it just looked like seven on seven for Oregon. It just looked so <laughs> easy to move down the field yeah. and get whatever they wanted. Guys were p- pretty open. You're kind of just thrown to the open guy. He's got, he's got some space, you know? And so there's a lot to fine tune defensively there. But I think they're still. I don't know what what what, what what's going to happen if they beat USC this week, Sam. The whole if they the whole, beat if they beat USC, everyone gosh. loses their damn minds, right? Yeah, yeah. Because then, then I think <laughs> you think they're legit. Then you consider if they beat USC, then you you consider Oregon just a hiccup. It's like okay, everything just kind of came to a halt. They yeah. they just got beat by a much better team. And then you think uh, again. We will go back to the conversation of the top tier. Then you look at Oregon as like, my gosh, if Oregon did that to Colorado, right. beat USC. Right. I know we don't love using transitive property, but but then Oregon feels like a top something. five team too. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because uh, you know this is a this is a USC defense that of course has taken a lot a lot on the chin so far, and this is a chance for them to really make a statement if if they want to. You know, they 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 portaled really well up front and added some really good guys in, in, in the front seven. Can they make a difference this weekend? Can they, can they get to Shador? And I think a lot of teams have, I mean, even before that Oregon game, he had been six, sacked 16 times, but that that's, this is, I think probably even more telling for us about Colorado than, than the last game, than, than the Oregon game, because this really, how they respond to this and, and whether they can address some of the issues that popped up, uh, and, and as a those, 21 and a half are, point home underdog in this game. Yeah. Some of those are longer term and are going to take an off season to address yeah. from a talent standpoint. But, but I, I'm curious to see, I will, I will say this about USC Colorado. I'm pretty sure Lincoln, who is about as milk toast as they get is not going to be cutting any quotes or wrestling promos that, uh, Dion can use <laughs> or any receipts <laughs> that Dion's could keep for his team. So uh, we're we're not going to see. Yeah, when Fox is like, "Hey, can we film in the locker room pregame?" Lincoln's like, "No, thank you. Nope, no. not at all. No, you can't even come in the locker room." By the way, <laughs> no. it's like, no. uh, but with speaking of, so you got the big noon kickoff. USC Colorado got a good slate this weekend. The Pac-12. You got Utah at Oregon State on the Friday night. That'll be fun. Mm. Oregon and Stanford and and Washington Arizona is going to be Pac-12 after dark. Unfortunately, those last uh, those last two I just mentioned I think are on Pac-12 Network. So if you have it, great. If you don't. We'll be sure don't for a sure don't and and by the way Arizona's three and one right um, yeah let's not completely leave they're three and one UCLA's three and one Colorado's three and one like I, I just think week to week this league is going to be uh, going to be super fun to watch yeah no it, it's it's been a lot of fun for the last it, and I think yeah it, it is it someone should probably keep this conference together don't you think <laughs> yeah 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 
Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So let's uh it's fun weekend in the Pac-12. Let's shift a little bit to the Big Ten and talk a little Penn State. Welcoming into the show a special guest. She covers Penn State for us at the Athletic and also my favorite Packers fan that I know. Audrey Snyder joining the show today. Audrey, how are you? I'm good, Sam. Please tell me I'm not the only Packers fan you know, right? <laughs> you are not. You are not. I good, do good. I do have some others now. I'm, now you've got me concerned that the other one is listening and uh it may be offended. Uh, Audrey, yeah, we're, we're Jordan you Love or Aaron Rodgers. Who 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 you got? Definitely Jordan Love. This is a Packers <laughs> fan, not a not a quarterback fan here. No, I'm all in on Love. Was very excited about Sunday. Um that was about like as excited as I've been, you know, with the comeback win in a long time. So that that felt nice. Um that was also like a sleep deprived coming off of covering a night game. It was one of those yeah. that you're like, Am I am I really watching this? You know, is it is it actually happening? Yeah, and covering a night game watching Iowa offensive football, if if we can even term it that, probably a little bit much. You Arthur, you watch this this Iowa offense and, and we'll we'll get to Penn State here in a sec, but What's that experience like in person? Because I, I, Max and I have talked about it on the show, and I, I'm just someone I can't subject myself to that on TV. But, but in mm-hmm. person, what's it like to watch? <laughs> it's just uh, as bad yeah, really? in person or on TV. It's just as bad. Like here's the thing, right? And I was thinking about this during the third quarter. So Penn State played Illinois the previous week. Luke Altmyer threw four interceptions, and mm. while I'm covering that game, I'm like, oh my god, this is awful. But Oh, crap, I got to cover Penn State, Iowa next week, right? <laughs> so that game goes on. Iowa, Iowa runs 33 plays. Like, I have never seen a stat sheet as lopsided as this one after the game. Um, and then Penn State plays Northwestern next week. So I am in the midst of a complete sicko fest here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, but I've also, like, I've covered the Penn State-Illinois nine overtime game. So I've seen some bad things. Um, but this was just... It's so weird because it had the big game atmosphere, right? It's the whiteout game, 110,000 fans, you know, 110, 830 to be exact, uh, second largest crowd in Beaver Stadium. And these people stayed and it was raining. And I'm like, haven't you seen enough, right? Like, don't you want to leave, you know, Ohio State, Notre Dame, like anyone? But yeah, it was just bizarre. I mean, you can slice and dice this box score a million different ways when you look at that final stat sheet. It's just jarring. Yeah, I don't know how Scott Docterman does it every week. I really, our <laughs> Iowa guy could, it's it's a lot. Even just looking, some of the stuff from the box score, mm-hmm. like to see the disparity, 97 plays for Penn State to 33. Like just to watch that play, like did you, it, it, at some point, did you start to notice like, oh, Penn State's offense is just on the field the entire night. Yeah, I mean, Iowa had four first downs. Four. Four. And, and like, four. you're just, you're sitting there and you're like, Okay, I mean, the only time, and here's like the, even the sickest part of this. So like I rewatched the game Sunday, you know, to like get the Penn State angle of it. And I was like, okay, like how much of this do I need to watch again? Um, so you watch it twice and it's just as bad the second time. But yeah, I mean, the only time for me that it felt like maybe the game would be in jeopardy, that maybe Iowa could move the ball was early on in the first quarter when Cade McNamara runs for like 18 yards. That was it. Like, that was the one play you're looking back and you're like, yeah, that felt like it was forever ago. Um, yeah, what a, you guys need to experience this. Like, I, I shouldn't <laughs> wish this upon anyone, but we need to get you guys to Iowa City. Ugh, that's, uh, that, that was, that, that was unreal. And then for, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a, that's a truly loyal fan base to stay through weather and through unwatchable football. 
mm-hmm. just to say, yeah, I was there. Um, yeah, I, pretty. I, yeah, you were yeah. there for the whiteout. And I think it's also, too, it's right. Like Penn State's now ranked sixth in the country. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. want to be able to say, I saw them during what could be a special year, right? Because otherwise I'm like, why are you all still here? Like, please go home. <laughs> well, that's why you're on today. We want to talk about Penn State. Um, as you said, up to number mm-hmm. six, certainly well positioned uh, through four games. In fact, I don't think, Audrey, has Drew Aller finished a game yet out of the four? No. Yeah, he's, he's been standing on the on the sideline in the fourth They're quarter. cruising on through. Line. I saw yeah. Bo Perbulo has so many rushing attempts this year because <laughs> they've just, you know, the backups are in a lot this year. Um, let's talk. Let's start with the defense, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got stop rate coming out this week in Penn State is number one in stop rate um, based on its its games against FBS opponents, getting stops on 89% of its drives. Um, Audrey, Manny Diaz has had a few years here to kind of recruit to what he wants to do. What do you think of what they're doing on defense and, and specifically, um, you know, how are they thriving right now? This is a really good, really fun defense. Um, Penn State's plus 11 in the turnover margin right now, like just absolutely baffling. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, one of the things that's really impressing me and like we knew coming into this year, a lot of people look at it. They say, OK, Chop Robinson projected first round pick, Kalen King, one of the best cor- cornerbacks in college football. So what do you do with all of that? Well, what we saw on Saturday was a new wrinkle for Manny Diaz. They know the strength of this defense, uh, defensive ends for sure. They also have a lot of talent in the secondary. So we saw them on third down get these three defensive ends on the field at the same time letting Chop Robinson rush from the inside. He was putting some dudes on roller skates, man. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he was bull rushing people like crazy. Uh, the the strip sack he had of McNamara was just like oh, so easy. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed him. And the thing yeah. after that, and they didn't show it on TV, but I, watching it live, I'm like, did he fall down after that? Like, it, it was just this weird celebration. So afterward, I'm asking players about it. Like, what was that? You know, it was wet. Maybe he just slipped. Uh, yeah, no, that was an intentional flop uh, in honor of Iowa and the whole injury gate two years ago when Iowa's special teams coordinator, LeVar Woods, was flopping on the sidelines. Uh, so that was Chop Robinson's flop. But yeah, I, I mean, this is he's a guy who is just an absolute menace. And we saw it against Iowa. I think we're going to continue to see it. Deny Dennis Sutton is someone, you know, they believe they have three co-starters at defensive end with Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, and Deny Dennis Sutton. These guys are studs. Now, the thing to me that's interesting and that kind of has Penn State fans on edge, they're really athletic, but their defensive tackles don't have the best size, right? They're bigger than they were last year, but this is where you start to say, okay, how does this look against a Michigan, right? Penn State looked really physical against Iowa. They were the more physical team. That's not something that we've always said about a James Franklin team. Manny Diaz is pushing the right buttons. The thing that Franklin keeps going back to that Manny Diaz has said last year since they got blown out against Michigan. Gap accountability, right? That's the thing that stood out to him when they got steamrolled by Michigan last year. We're seeing more discipline. I also think, too, you know, Iowa runs 33 plays. Highest guy with the number of snaps is Abdul Carter with 28. This is a really, really fresh defense because you saw similar numbers when they played Delaware a few weeks ago, too. Yeah, that's that's really helpful, and that that helps you down the stretch to not mm-hmm. have to be have to be out on the field for long periods of time. Uh, let Let's shift to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Drew Aller four starts. He, this this is his team now. A lot of anticipation for him. The former five star mm-hmm. quarterback. We've all been waiting to see 
what he would look like when he took the reins. The numbers obviously look good. You met, we mentioned earlier he hasn't been on the field, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter very much. What, what, how would you evaluate his play through four starts? It's been really good. Um, he has not turned over the ball in a Penn State uniform, which I'm sure people are knocking on wood somewhere. It's probably saying that I jinxed it. There you go. Max <laughs> got it, it in there. There you go. Um, yep. But I mean, it's been turnover free football. But the thing that's interesting is he hasn't had to push the ball down the field. Um, if you look at it, the, the amount of throws like this, this game against Iowa was the second time he didn't have a pass travel 20 plus yards through the air. The other one was against Delaware. They were really smart about what they did against Iowa and said, we will dink and dunk you to death because we've got the patience to do it. We've got the talent to do it. Um, Aller's been tremendous. If you go back and look at his touchdown throws, uh, his one to Khalil Dinkins, this is an insane throw. Like he's making the kind of throws that you're saying, these are big time NFL throws, right? Doesn't have the gaudiest numbers right now. Like you look at it, Saturday finishes like, believe 166 passing yards and four touchdowns. But you you just kind of look at it and the throws that he's making, the poise that he has, to me, that's like the big separator, right? I think sometimes we maybe put too much on the intangibles, right? But this matters. Like there hasn't been a moment that looks too big for Drew Aller. Um, he's somebody who I said earlier this preseason, by the end of the year, I think he's going to be one of the top five quarterbacks in college football. So far, he's making those big time throws. And oh yeah, they haven't even showcased his deep ball yet, which is going to be really good. That that speaks to just the strength of the team, right? That let's Mm -hmm. just let him play within what we've got and not put a lot of hey, second long, third long. We need you to make big plays. Yeah, I think it's it's been really smart, and you know their running game is starting to get going. It hasn't been as as explosive as you expect it to be with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Uh, So that's something else too that they're going to get there. But yeah, I mean, they're distributing the ball really well. Um, This is a team that, again, like the strength is that there's so much depth, right? This is where you see all these recruiting classes that start to stack together. Um, Yeah, there's there's a ton of talent. This is James Franklin's most talented team. And through four games, it's definitely looked like it, too. And the running backs, um, Singleton Mm -hmm. and Allen, very well established coming into the year, even though they're young guys. Audrey, what does it mean? the emergence of uh, Keandre Lambert Smith in, in what I know is a, a pretty talented wide receiver group. Obviously he's had the, the the big plays, the numbers have popped a little more. What has that emergence kind of done in terms of balancing this whole thing out? Yeah. They call him big play Dre for a reason, right? Um, I mean, this <laughs> I is a that. guy. Yeah. It's great. like a lot of confidence. He does not lack for confidence. Um, and that's what Penn state needs. I mean, going back to the spring, James Franklin challenged Keandre Lambert Smith publicly and said, we need him to not only be like our, our number one receiver, we need him to be one of the best in the Big Ten and one of the best in the country. And he's proving that. I mean, if you look back to the end of last year, really finished on a high night, high uh, high note rather in the Rose Bowl, kind of got things rolling. And he's just somebody that so much speed, they can move him around. You can play him in the slot. Now, the rest of the receiving core, they've dealt with some injuries. Harrison Wallace the third's their number two guy. They need more from the rest of the receiving core. But in terms of having that number one, he's that guy. To me, Dante Cephas, the Kent State transfer, he was a guy that Max in the transfer portal, you were very (laughs) high on. Uh, So were a lot of other people. But uh, he's somebody that had his first career start against Iowa. So we're starting to see more of Cephas. But I think fans have to keep in mind, he wasn't here all spring, right? Like this is a guy who didn't get to campus. 
um, until after spring ball. So he was playing catch up, but now I think he's getting closer to what they were expecting. Right. So I think you're, you're now saying, all right, well, five games in, at what point do you start to see Cephas, um, take on a bigger role? Because they've got, they've got a lot of bodies there in that receiving core, but it's just a matter of getting more experience, more productivity. Yeah. That was, that was the Intel from Penn state staffers. I talked mm-hmm. to at the end of fall camp was Cephas is really good. I mean, certainly last year at, at Kent state, he was one of the best players, uh, best wideouts in the Mac. Um, but he got to Penn State, and and that's the that's the strength of where Penn State's at is he's really good. Not sure he'll have a thousand yard season because they've got good players coming back, and that's just that's just a real advantage here. Audrey, as you look at Penn State, um, first of all, like have we have we gotten to the point now? I guess in maybe in terms of your confidence and the way that the the, the fan base's confidence around this team has it got to like that Ohio State Michigan point now where there's just two games that matter on the schedule and the rest kind of feel safe or do you worry about this team kind of falling into into some traps here no i mean i think those are the two that you circle every year that's the measuring stick and i I think that remains i mean i think they're also in a really advantageous situation when you look at it because they go to northwestern this week then they have the idle week Mm -hmm. then they play umass at beaver stadium for homecoming that's a weird one in the middle of the season (laughs) really bizarre right so so you effectively have an extended bye week so we're talking about snap counts sam right like you should be able to ideally keep the numbers low and then you go to columbus right after that then michigan comes here in november so your two marquee games are spread out um but yeah to me i I think a lot of people thought of iowa maybe as that stumbling block because Mm -hmm. it's as james franklin kept saying it's a grinded out kind of game then you looked at the weather and you said there have been a lot of really tight, dramatic games between these two teams. But the fact that that hasn't materialized, like I just, I can't see other stumbling blocks, right? Like you've got Indiana, you've got Michigan State at the end of the year, but you're playing that at Ford Field, which I think taking it inside, removing the elements, I think is a great thing for Penn State because they've been part of weird snow and lightning game delays in Lansing. So I just don't see those other those other stumbling blocks. Lo- loaded question here. Um, oh, by the way, West Virginia <laughs> win aging pretty well, right? With wins over Texas Tech and Pitt. So yeah. I think that that mm-hmm. is one. looking now yep. a little bit more like a, a solid test they got week one. Um, okay, loaded question here. But, you know, in terms of looking at stop rate, Michigan's number three, Ohio State's number five, as you'd expect, right? Yeah. Um, we, we've, seen, we, we've seen how good those teams can be. We're all expecting those teams to give Penn State everything they've got. Where is the confidence level right now, Audrey, about Penn State winning one or both of those games? Uh, right now, I think they split, and I think that's worst-case scenario. Um, I From the get-go, I thought this was an 11-1 team. I think they beat okay. Ohio State. Michigan, to me, is where it gets interesting. Now, from what we've seen from the Penn State defense, can they stop the run consistently, right? It goes back to what they weren't able to do last year in the big house. That, to me, is like the weird thing because – They've matched up for all these years, right? Even when Penn State was coming off of sanctions, had no business playing with Ohio State, they've always matched up well with them. Like, it's just this weird thing where some teams match up well with others and sometimes you just don't. And I think Michigan's kind of been in that other category. Now, the weird thing to me is that Ohio State is at the horseshoe. Michigan is in Beaver Stadium. That atmosphere is going to be absolutely crazy, right? If if Saturday night for a whiteout against Iowa was any indication... These people are going to be extremely fired up. It's tough to pick against Penn State in Beaver Stadium, right? So that, to me, is where I think they split those two right now. But this defense is really good. And, like, I thought they'd be good, 
but they've exceeded my expectations so far. Now, how do you keep the turnovers coming, right? Because they've been coming in bunches, but can you stay turnover free on the other side of the ball, especially once you start pushing the ball down the field? But yeah, it's Penn State is a very, very good football team. And I think one of the things that probably not a lot of people got to see Saturday night was just how good they are because the other game that was on at the same time um, that everyone else, you know, of course, wanted to watch. So, but yeah, I get it. But this is a also very, just the, very good the team. world does not want to watch Iowa. I think we're, we're just yeah, that's right. That yeah, <laughs> it should come no offense, with like no a offense ca- to Penn State, but a caution warning or like an explicit content warning. You were mm-hmm. watching Iowa football. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, you could not have paid Sam to watch that game. <laughs> no, no, there's too many punts. I just can't. It's, it's uh, uh, beyond the offensive inefficiency. It's just the too many punts. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, mm-hmm. the, let's take a we're four games through. We've got a, a little bit of a sense for where everybody is. You got four teams in the Big Ten East that are undefeated. We, the three we mentioned, of course, Maryland is also four and zero. Yeah. Uh, of course, we got Wisconsin uh, three and one on the other side of the Big Ten West. What's your just feel for where the Big Ten is and how the race stacks up at this point? Getting rid of divisions uh, again a year too late, right? <laughs> um, I think right for for Penn State, that's always been the gripe, and rightfully so. I mean. As I'm sitting there Saturday, I'm like, yeah, you're taking it to maybe the Big Ten West's top team, right? Um, That imbalance to me has always been problematic. Um, I think we're going to see it kind of show up in a big way again this year. Man, to me, the top three, right? Penn State, um, Ohio State, Michigan, not in the order I just listed. Mm -hmm. That's going to freak people out. But to me, those top three, um, it's going to be really, really fun watching them. I feel like we've maybe been sleeping on Ohio state a little bit. Does that, does that seem right? I mean, I know for me, like my questions coming into this year was like, okay, how good is Kyle McCord? Um, mm-hmm. You know, like what does that look like? Maybe. Cause I know a lot of people always said to me, they're like, well, you're higher on Drew Aller. You must be a Homer. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I think you look at it. Right. And like, <laughs> to me, the interesting story here is Ohio state gets the quarterback from St. Joe's prep, which is Philadelphia area school. So they get the PA kid and then Penn State gets Aller from Ohio. And to me, like who has the better quarterback? And I think Penn State still has the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. But how that plays out, we're going to find out in the second half of the season. Um, to me, that's oh, we're that, definitely that's like going to do thing. the revisionist history. Yep. Why oh, yeah. Ohio State take Quinn Ewers over Drew Aller. We're 100 percent doing that <laughs> later this year. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when during Aller's recruitment, when Ohio State got involved late um, and that it was this whole thing and everybody's like, oh, my God, is he going to go there? Right. How do you say no to Ohio State? Um, Penn State, of course, their offensive coordinator, Mike Yursich, an Ohio guy. Right. So there's a lot of these a lot of these uh, interesting ties out there. But, yeah, I want to see these three teams duke it out down the stretch because these are the some of the best teams in college football but again because we've got this weird division setup um <laughs> only one of them's making it to indy right and then congrats <laughs> can, can to the we, big 10 west can we do the 2020 thing where we just made up new rules for the That's big right. 10 championship game at the last I minute i loved that that was great i mean it was a complete <laughs> cluster i remember like because penn state was bad that year trying to figure out like who is coming here like what team there was a snowstorm here yeah i think uh, we need that. Wasn't it Ohio it's, State it's hadn't chaos. played enough games, but everyone was just mm-hmm. like, mm, let's just change the rules. They're the best team. Get them in. Yeah. Yeah. I still, <laughs> I remember Penn State like finished their game and we're all like, well, is that the end of the season? Are you going to go to a bowl game? And they right. were like, everyone go to bowls. Yep. Yeah. Was, it was, oh, it was, was just so a weird. complete disaster. Glad <laughs> yeah, we're past I, I, that. Yes. yes. 
Yeah, making up rules on the fly. Although I would, I would like us to knock adopt on some more that. wood here, just to be safe. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would like us to adopt the old scheduling philosophies we were doing back then, though, because we were making up games on the fly, like a week in mm. advance, and now we're yes. back to the schedule things out twenty years ahead of time. But and um, get UMass in October. Yeah, and we get UMass <laughs> in October. UMass in Penn State in October. That is a true sickos game uh, for it you is. in the middle of the season. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Ari. Uh, sorry. Oh Our my dream. gosh! What? Oh. <laughs> what? Yikes! That was, you can't recover from that, Sam. You, you cannot recover from that. Audrey hasn't been coming like that hot with the I, taste today. Yeah, I mean, I what is not, that, Sam? I, I don't we were, watch. We my were phone talking in the about fi- we were talking about five stars <laughs> quarterbacks so much, mm. and Quinn Ewers came in the conversation. So my brain automatically went to the biggest Quinn Ewers fan on our podcast. Oh here. my gosh! So okay. I, <laughs> let's try to let's try to get this back together here. Wow, yeah, we're, yeah. we're off the rails now. One thing I wanted to ask you about Audrey was your story. You had a great story uh, earlier this season on the Lavar leap, the 25th anniversary of Lavar Arrington jumping over the line of scrimmage. Uh, against Illinois, which is one of the most amazing plays that I've ever seen. And uh, also the throwback with the huge shoulder pads. I, I kind of miss no. the old gigantic shoulder pads that <laughs> players used to wear. But but that that if you haven't fans, if you haven't looked it up, uh, if you haven't seen that, go look that up on the LeVar Leap on YouTube. It's incredible. But what 25 years removed from that, just how much fun was it to dive back into that story? And, and what are some of the lasting uh, memories that you have from yeah, it was really fun because, you know, this is, and I think people have to understand, right? Like older listeners will get this, but younger folks don't. Like this play would have gone viral had we been, you know, in 2023, right? But we're at the time where Beaver Stadium didn't even have replay boards. So LeVar Arrington makes this insane play, leaps over the line of scrimmage, and half the people have no idea what the hell happened because there was never <laughs> a replay played in the stadium. And all of a sudden they're like, well, what, like, what did he do, just do? And so t- I talked to teammates and people who were on the sideline that day and they were like, we weren't sure what just happened. Like, and LeVar, you know, actually had done this before in high school. Like this was something he had tested out before. And I talked with LeVar and he said that he doesn't think he gets enough credit um, for kind of the, the brains behind, behind the play. The fact that he was so big into tendencies and studying film to the point where he would be like, before games just pouring over it so much. And he's like, I don't think I got enough credit for that, that he felt really confident what they were going to do. Um, now, the other thing that I got into in the story is I found the guy who he actually hit, right? So the guy who gets stopped, Love who that. forever is on the other side of this iconic play. Uh, and he was really great about it. You know, it's one of those things I'm just blindly reaching out to someone. And and he's like, <laughs> yeah, like that's kind of what I'm, what I'm known for now. Um, but I think that's the great thing about college football, right? Like, here are two guys whose careers have gone completely differently. Um, the one guy is now, you know, working in a gym in Miami. He's a trainer and he's like, yeah, I've come to terms with this. Like this is is kind of uh, just part of my life story. So I thought that was really fun. But yeah, the thing that surprised me, Sam, was just the fact that like so many people did not realize how crazy the play was because if you turned your head, like you missed it, right? If you did not see it live. And again, I mean, we're talking in a massive stadium it's hard to see. I mean, even mm-hmm. when I'm up in the press box with my binoculars, I'm still like, did I did I see that right? But now we've got, mm-hmm. you know, TVs and all these replays. But totally. yeah, the fact that so many people missed it, um, I thought was just wild because replays aren't, you know, it's not like we are now where we're sitting at home and everything's instantaneous. 
Yeah, I love in that story that Elmer Hickman, the guy who got hit, said that his friend sent him the YouTube clip every football season. I quite yeah, love like, that. Like this <laughs> man's getting detail. trolled 25 years later and just leaned into He's it. He's like, sending I love that. YouTube takedown requests constantly and just trying to make it go away. Yeah. 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 It's, and like, that's what I would the, do. I mean, and that's, I think, the cool thing, right? Like it, so many guys end up on the other side of these iconic plays and it's like, for better or worse, you're linked to this play too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And there's also, there's really only one photo that exists or exists really well of the play itself too, because it was such a bang, bang play. And after the story ran, I had a photographer reach out to me and was like, Hey, I have this high resolution image if you want to see it. Uh, so that was really cool because there just aren't, aren't that many shots of it, which again, if this happens now, it's, it's, oh, everywhere, it's everywhere right away. I mean, 2014, the Jadavian Clowney hit in that yes. bowl game. Mm-hmm. But we've seen that a million times over yeah. ever since. You know, it's. I actually it's I watched that time. clip a bunch of times working on the Lavar story because that was one of the things that Lavar mm-hmm. said too. He's like, "Yeah, he's like, you take my play, you take Clowney's. Oh like, yeah, we're both we're both going viral." Hey, speaking of things that went viral that uh, you saw a million replays of on Sunday, Audrey, <laughs> um, I wanted to tee you up since you're with us here on the pod today. Um, mm-hmm. Can, can you can you give our listeners your thoughts on uh, on Taylor Swift going to the Kansas City Chiefs games and <laughs> presumably dating Travis Kelsey? You know, Max, and all this time we thought she'd do things greater than dating the boy on the football team. And here we are. Right. What an absolutely crazy sequence of events. Like I'm sitting there, you know, riding high off the Packers win. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they start cutting into Fox. Right. And it's Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're all just along for the ride at this point. Like now I'm checking on all the, you know, the TMZ type things like everyone else, like every every sane person. Yeah, I, to me, like all along, I thought it was like one of those publicity stunts, right? I still think it probably maybe is to some extent. She's just leaning into mm. it, could be. Um, I also feel for all of the folks who thought they were just covering the Chiefs, right? Because as we know oh, in sports man. reporting, like <laughs> all of a sudden now you've got one of the biggest stars in the world at your game. Like, forget it. Like, good thing. You find out real quick who's got sweet sources when these things oh, happen. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, I saw the clips uh, where it's like after the game and she's walking out and Kelsey's got the outfit on that now mm-hmm. we're all looking at. and The mustache to, looks horrible. Oh, absolutely horrible. <laughs> like a hideous mustache. Um yeah, we we've got a big uh, a big storyline. I, I but again, I just feel for the folks who <laughs> thought that they were going to cover a game. And can we also talk about Max the fact that she had to sit there and watch that horrible display from the Chicago Bears? Ooh. Like that, <laughs> was that to 41 me to is, 10? Yeah, like Yeesh. she does not have enough security guards to shield her from that. <laughs> like, come on, you know, like could we have gone to the levels of like vma drinking and you know just made it made it fun i don't know but yeah now i feel like uh chiefs are they in new york next week is that jets i think might be that would be that would be something um because if that's the case then we are all we are all in for it um i i I think it was a good pick i mean you you make a good point it was a good pick for her to get um get some time to bond with with uh with mama kelsey the real because star of the day. Half of the game was not <laughs> worth watching, right? I mean, yeah. she was really just tuning in for for a Travis touchdown, and uh, it was you know that's that's just great. A couple hours of bonding. We don't have to really about worry about what's going on on the field because it's a it's a blowout. Yeah, I, I, Chiefs Jets October first eight twenty p.m. So like oh, I boy. mean that's the thing. Like oh. what happens now? 
Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Do you think Sunday this is like the football. classic? You know, when college football coaches make, uh, or when, when college football ads like when they make hires, they tend to like hire the opposite of the last guy. Do you think this is just like a Maddie Healy bounce back? Like, <laughs> let's just find the, the ab- absolute opposite. <laughs> yeah, of I definitely these think it actors could be. and musicians I've been dating. Yeah, I mean, because this is the one. Like all along, I was like, man, this is like Travis looks really just desperate. Um, and then when Jason Kelsey said it, you know, then you're like, okay. I was like, this I think is just way too much. They're being way too obvious about this. Um, and I'm like, yeah, this is sad and desperate. But then you see it, right? And the reports today are that they were partying afterward. There's a big party for all the Chiefs, apparently. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I just. But what? How lucky are we? That we don't get Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and instead we get Patrick Mahomes, Taylor Swift. Like, we need the Taylor Swift <laughs> ISO cam. That's the other thing here. Like, oh, you'll that would have made the game, yeah. you know? Oh, you'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll say Sunday <laughs> Night Football, I'm sure you're going to get it. <laughs> Does she, yeah, can she just do the Manning cast, like, the whole game or something? Yeah. <laughs> that would be, you know, yeah, that's what it's, like, just give us our own separate screen because... Um, I mean, every, like everyone was watching, which is again, cause you know, my timelines, this mix of pop culture and sports and everybody's like, Oh my God, Taylor Swift's there. We're watching this. I, my mom was texting me. My mom was like, did you know she's at the chiefs game? And I'm like, yeah, mom, I got it on. But like, I'm surprised you know this, right? Um, yeah, there's you know, I've, this I've never phenomenon. been a big, like we're living in a simulation guy, but it stuff like that kind of makes you think a little bit. It really does. And I think you take that and then you take the Dion Colorado stuff too, which has been like, again, I, I think there's a phenomenon happening Transcending there. Transcending sports. Like, yeah. 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 It's like my parents are have no reason to care about Colorado football. These are folks from Pennsylvania and they're tuning in every week way past their bedtime some nights to watch Colorado football, right? Like it's just, we're living in this weird universe, Max, but we're here to document it all. How fortunate are we? That's right. Celebrity, baby. It's celebrity culture. Got to lean into it, right? It's uh, yeah. Maybe, gotta, maybe she she wants to see Iowa football. Can you imagine? That? Oh gosh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like I said, put parental advisory on that one. Uh, Audrey, thanks so much for joining us. We really enjoyed. Thank the you for being the celebrity of today's podcast, Audrey. We yes, one hundred percent. I appreciate it, guys. When you need a celebrity guest picker, you let me know. <laughs> You got well, it. Well, Sam will ask Ari first, and then he'll remember he meant to ask you first. God, yeah, I can't. I, Sam's not going to recover from that. Like that's. Oh, I, I'm so bad. My brand has been tarnished. Oh, uh, just know we became friends first, Audrey, before you being Ari did, because we had that night hanging out at the at the media party at the Cotton Bowl in 2019 right. before Micah Parsons went bananas. Ooh, so I've heard the Cotton so Bowl our, parties. Our, yeah, Cotton Bowl quality. Top notch, but uh, but Audrey, you and I friendship goes way back beyond me and Ari. So. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a heart, a Sam. How's that? I appreciate it. I appreciate that. <laughs> Send some bracelets to each other, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate Audrey coming on. And gosh, Max, I can't believe I made that slip on the name. That was uh, that was regrettable. Um, so, anywho. I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Stars matter. Uh, so, we got, we've got the Heisman straw poll coming out this week at The Athletic. Be sure to check that out. Our good old... Buddy Manny Navarro collecting everybody's Heisman votes uh, through the first four weeks of the season. And, of course, we did a Heisman draft before the season. We do it every year at The Athletic. We get all our national riders together uh, and draft four rounds. And this year we did five. We did a, mm-hmm. a little bit of a flyer round for the last folks that didn't get picked that we wanted to, to throw in there in the mix. But everybody got to pick four. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that out on The Athletic, and you can 
go ahead and make your commentary about some of the picks we made and oh, how they're yeah. looking so it far. Is our they're not, well. Yeah. They're not they're not great. So my original team, I'll give you the four that I had, plus my wild card. Drake May, North Carolina. Okay. Kate Klubnick at Clemson. Uh, not looking good. Travion Henderson, Ohio State. Harold Perkins at LSU, who I felt good about until that first game, and then they decided to use him. Until <laughs> you saw that LSU does not want Harold Perkins to win the Heisman this year. Why, why would you want a guy to do the thing that he's we, best at? Like, what? what why we, would we do that? It, you know, let's not, let's not put the guy in the position to do what he can do the best. Let's just stick him in square peg around hole this thing. Bold strategy. Jaylen, we'll see how it pays off. Jalen yeah. Daniels from Kansas was my last one. Uh, and I'm liking that one. The, Wouldn't roll the it wild out. wild card pick. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, he's off to he's off to a good start. Even though he's been banged up, he's been playing well. Max, who was your original four um, plus your wild card? I don't want to talk about it, but <laughs> I will. Um, you know, I, I was I had the last pick in the first round, and so I had the double pick there. And obviously, all the big names are kind of flying off the board at that point. So I went with the combo of Carson Beck and Kyle McCord, just taking taking flyers on the starting quarterbacks of potential playoff teams. I wouldn't say the Heisman odds are looking awesome for either of them uh, at, at the moment. Well, Kyle McCord helped himself a little bit over he did. the weekend with a big he win did. over Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, moments matter in this stuff for sure, and he, he had one at the end there. Um, I took Cam Rising. Um, Oof. Because you need him to play in my head. <laughs> I thought Cam Rising can overcome a torn ACL faster than he has <laughs> in real life. I mean, they like brought him to Pac-12 Media Day and like yeah. his, you know kind of said he was doing okay. And I'm I I, I, I fully support you know getting him wait until he's 100 percent now rushing him back and all that stuff. But yeah, that's a bad pick by me. Um, not as bad as picking Tyler Buckner. Um, oh. Oh, which, you know, that, is, could, that, that one, looks you know, bad I mean, now. if you give him more than five drives this season, like, I don't know, maybe it goes better, but uh, uh, does it? That's a wolf. Does it? That Based was a on wolf. What we saw Oof. at the point in time we drafted. I'm not going to justify it. It was just a bad pick. And then my <laughs> bonus pick was it actually uh, went, wasn't the, the concept behind it was fine. An Alabama quarterback the job, might win then the it starting would be good job. to have. He did not win yeah. the job. Yeah. And we can't um, act, we can't act like we all knew that Alabama was going to look this bad offensively. Like we thought, no, no, okay, maybe they'll be nine and three, but gosh, we didn't expect this. I took Tommy Reese's guy, thinking Tommy Reese would pick his guy, and he he did not. Um, and then lastly, I took Will Will Howard, who um, K State's you know looked looked really good uh, this season. He's been banged up a little bit. They lost to Missouri, but uh, still stand by Will Howard being you know one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve. They're still so. a Big Twelve contender. Still That's why we're mix. redoing it because obviously, other than Sam drafting K, or, uh, other than Sam drafting Drake May, um, you know, a lot, lot of regrets. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's the only one I feel really good about so far. And I, the other thing was when I got the Klubnik pick in round two, I was feeling it. I was like, oh yeah, I got Kate mm. Klubnik. I'm gonna mm. be in the mix. And then week I, one, know, happened I almost against went Duke. Bo Nix over um, McCord, which I, I would feel good about today if I had done that. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, but. Yeah. Here's the yeah, fun thing, though. We're going to redo the draft, and there's only two people in the draft, so we're going to feel it. a lot better about our teams <laughs> yes. after we redo this. <laughs> I'm going to ask just Eric, go, Eric let's Single, keep it our editor, simple. can we print? Can we print ours? Can we print this new one? And <laughs> this will be this will count as our picks now. He he'll say, "Well, will that be confusing to our readers?" And I'll say, "I don't, I don't care." Who um, cares? <laughs> so let's see. We'll each take three. We'll each take three players. Okay. I got a coin here. All right. A uh, a nice nice shiny quarter here. You want to call All it here? Right. Tails never fails, baby. All right. What you got? It's a heads. Ah, so you Sorry. get a pick first. Heads, heads for proof. 
That's for proof. All right. All okay, right. first pick. Do we need? Do we have I, I don't know if I wanted the first pick. <laughs> um, do you go now? Do you go? Who's the best now? Or are you going? Who do I like now that I think is going to end up being there at the end? Because I ultimately, I guess that's what we're trying to go for. Do, 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 do. <sighs> Give me Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, USC. Give me Caleb Williams. Come on down. Ah. Uh, uh, the defense uh, is going to give him chances to put up on a lot of numbers. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't put it. I mean, I honestly wouldn't put it past Heisman voters to give it to him again. I really wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It, it and it's almost like the bar in some ways is kind of lower for him because he's won one. Where as long as he has like just enough moments this season. Where everyone's just like, yeah, he's still the best player in college football. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, he could win it again. So I'll yeah. go Caleb Williams. Um, but I'm I it's a tough one. All right. Do do the right uh, thing here, Sam, with the with, with your first pick. My first pick. And believe it or not, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stay in the Pac 12. I'm gonna go Michael Penix. Yeah, yeah, that's what you should. Do. Michael that's Penix in Washington. We we spend plenty of time at the top of the show talking about. I can't I can't get over how good they look and how good he looks and how good that offense looks. And I think Washington's legit, man. And I think I think they're gonna be standing in there playing for a championship at the end of this thing. So mm-hmm. if they are, he is in the thick of that mix. So give me Michael Penix. So are we snaking it? Do I get to go? We are snaking again? it. So you get to go All double right. here. We're gonna snake it again. I'm going to take Quinn Ewers, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Ari's, Ari's going to love me for that one. I'm going to go Quinn Ewers because the odds are behind you on that at this that's point. That's what I, I'm playing the odds because I, I can pick another Pac-12 quarterback. I could pick Bo Nix, but there's not going to be three Pac-12 quarterbacks at the end of this thing. There's not. So if I'm taking Penix and you've taken Caleb, then I've got to take somebody out of the conference. I'm going to take Quinn because I still think Texas is going to win the Big 12. They're 4-0 right now. They hammered Baylor over the weekend. And I think they're going to end up standing. They're going to be an 11-1 team probably at the end of this thing. Maybe they could be 12-0. Who knows? But I think that will be enough to get him there on the stage at the end of this. So Quinn Ewers, Texas, is my second pick. Wow. I'm I'm a little surprised. <laughs> obviously, I'm a little surprised. And for my double pick now, um, I'm I'm very excited with what 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 falls to me because you took one years. I'm going to take Jordan Travis. Okay, who I think is obviously uh, he's he's ta- he's taking a little bit of a, of a beating, but he's got some massive wins and moments, and I think he's a guy people can really get behind in a Heisman race. Um, and and I think Florida State's. I'm not saying they're cruising from here, but um, they're probably gonna be favored in every every game going forward. I think. Yeah. Uh, the real so. the real Tiger King, Jordan Travis. The real Tiger King. <laughs> Are we gonna get sued Pat by pending, Joe Exotic if we say that? Let's, let's say let's put some disclaimer in there in case by the time this this runs, he stops selling the t shirts. Some Cam, yeah. Cam, please make sure we have our legal uh, affairs in order before we. Before we, we have a podcast legal team, we probably should have a podcast legal team. <laughs> we probably should. So the things Ari Ari this like to say on time, Saturday we nights, should. we should have a legal team. Yes, yeah. we should have probably a legal so. team. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, I'm so going to go. Pick up and I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Bo Nix for my other pick. It's very okay. tempting to go. It, it honestly is very tempting to go Drake May, but I'm going to mm-hmm. go Bo Nix. 
Yeah. And that leaves my first pick that I had the first time around around for my last pick the second time around. Drake May. You're doing Drake North May? North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Over He's Drew Aller, over Sam Hartman, over yep. J.J. McCarthy. Yep. Sam Hartman, I, I, you know, I think if Ohio State, if uh, Notre Dame had beaten Ohio State, I think I'd be. He'd be in our top six. He, right? I think he'd be. I think Sam Hartman would be there, and he, he's made yep. such a difference for that team. Uh, Drew Aller, who we talked at length with uh, about uh, with uh, Audrey Snyder about. Uh, Drew's been playing really, really well. But, you know, are they going to end up winning the Big Ten, you know, and getting him in that position? I don't know. And, yeah, I think, will North Carolina be there at the end? I mean, this Florida State, obviously, Jordan Travis and FSU's got the edge right now, but Clemson seems like they're kind of sort of out of the way here in the ACC. So North Carolina's got a chance here to take advantage. And if they do, if they're playing an ACC championship game, I think Drake May's got a shot to be there in, in New York City at the end of this. So. I think having the, like, I always think it helps when you've also got all the, I mean, there's just, social, you know, Twitter is just full of draft experts, actual draft experts and, and self-appointed draft experts. And the love that that community has for Drake May, I feel like also helps, is going to continue to help over the course of this run where people are going to be posting his highlights and being like, this guy mm-hmm. is insane. Which he is. He threw a left-handed touchdown pass against Pitt. I don't know if you saw that, Sam, but like <laughs> I can do anything he wants. Yeah. yeah, he's so much fun to watch. Like I, I, I had tons. He of ran an RPO to the left and mm-hmm. then just decided to throw it with his left hand for a touchdown. That's insane. That's insanity. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. It's. I just love watching guys do that, do their thing, and and do it at a high level. It's it's so much fun. So Drake May. So I like my three. I've got. I've got. Michael Penix, Quinn Ewers, and Drake May. I like that. I like that group. I like that. Versus Caleb, Caleb Williams, Jordan Travis, and Bo Nix. It's pretty good. we got a pretty good crew so far. But we have to figure out some way to bet on this. My, Nobody, of course, my, no, my bet with Bruce on uh, Jeff Sims versus Keaton's Lovis is going oh, absolutely horribly for oh, me so far. That's so bad. The season is young, but Jeff Sims has, has missed the last couple weeks, and uh, I've got a very expensive bill in Houston awaiting me if it keeps trending this way. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, at the Texas, Texas. The uh, by the way, one I'll give one shout out. The guy that I when we decided to do this Heisman redraft, I thought we were going to drop in there, but we haven't yet. Is Cameron Ward? Mm-hmm. Good old Cam Ward, mm-hmm. getting it done. Has uh, he thrown? I don't even know if he's thrown an interception yet this season. So he's been terrific uh, so far for Wazoo and Texas guy down from West Columbia. Beat two top twenty-five teams already. Yep. And uh, yeah, two top 25 teams came from Incarnate Word, uh, the uh, transfer from the FCS. Uh, he's been terrific. Yeah, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions zero. for Cam Ward. So got to love that. Love how he's playing. Yeah, I, I think he, he's clearly very comfortable now in his second year in the pack. And even with his OC, Eric Morris, leaving for the North Texas head job, I think that that that, that offense is, is still humming. Before we go, one more topic to cover. Max, you have a great story coming out this week at The Athletic on teams that go for fourth downs and the analytics they use. It's a story of innovation and change, which is sponsored by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Max, I did a story on this topic a little bit last year, specifically in regards to Texas Tech. Joy McGuire, the head coach there, gotten really buying into the going for fourth down in different parts of the game that you don't expect it uh, and, and using analytics as driving that force. But you, you kind of got a little bit deeper into it. Tell me a little bit about 
the idea that you had and 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 what why it matters and why it's impacting the game right now. Yeah, you know, Sam, I wrote about um I you know, I, I wrote about a, a, a an angle of the game that I think probably most fans, most viewers don't really notice and that is if you ever watch uh when you see the the sideline shot of the head coach during a game broadcast, pay attention to the person who is standing right next to the head coach. It is usually one of the most trusted people uh, on the football staff, and they are usually holding a binder, um, and that and, and a thick binder, not not just any binder. Um, you know, I wrote this story is about the book guys, as they're called, and they are the, the people on uh, the coaching staff who are responsible on game days for holding this binder that is put together by Championship Analytics (CAI). They're the ones who have really kind of cornered the market here on doing the research and providing to schools all the data they need to try to make the best decisions they can when they come when they're, when they're facing a fourth down and it's either a question of punting or of kicking a field goal or going for it um these guys um they've been around for a decade um they, they started in 2013 with their first client troy and they have so they've got a decade of data on the these are the optimal situations in which uh, you should go for, uh, you know, go for a conversion. And that's on any spot of the field, um, in any scenario in the game, if you're up or down or tied. And it was it was fascinating talking to the people. I talked to Grant Murray from Kansas and Jeff Jordan from TCU about what it's like to, to make those calls live in real time during a game. Um, and how just how how do you kind of not only convince your head coach of what to do on a drive, um, when, when they're the ones that have to answer for it in the press conference after the game. Right. But also just how does it work? And, and as you've, I know you've written in your story as well, Sam, it's all about the magic number. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the book, the binder that, you know, is six, 60 plus pages long. They have to flip through to the right page and constantly <laughs> be on the right spot, which I think would be tough to do if I were the one holding the book. Um, you were constantly looking for the magic number. And so basically when you're driving and you have a first down, um, you you consult the book, and mm-hmm. it tells you, hey, at this at this number, um, in fourth terms and of whatever fourth and fourth three, and X, or fourth right? and four, at, yeah. at, at that number, uh, the book says we should go for it, and mm-hmm. the book is tailored every week to the team. It's tailored to what the projected score is going to be, um, and and using the Vegas lines basically, and and the Vegas totals, it and and, and weather, kicker factors, all that stuff. The 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 books are tailored every week to how the game they think the game's going to go, and so the magic number at the start of uh, on, on a first down, based on your your position on the field, you let's say the magic number is four. The book is telling us, hey, if we get to fourth and four, on the spot we'll be at on the field, it's it's it suggested we go for it. Now every team has to make their own decision on is that the right spot? Do we trust that we can convert? in that situation because ultimately it, it, the book is not telling you what play to call, right? It, you're, you're still depending <laughs> That's on right. <laughs> the player actually converting the play. Um, it's not telling you if there's a 350 pound defensive tackle in there on fourth and two, that's going to be correct. Able to the book doesn't have anything about this team. guy. We can't block <laughs> who's going to blow the play up. Right. Um, but, but ultimately it's trying to get coaches to think a little bit smarter about uh, making these decisions and not just automatically punting or not just, I mean, you know, you saw the decision, on Sunday night in the, uh, the Sunday night game where Josh McDaniels has to defend after the game, the fact that uh, he was down eight against the Steelers 
and at the eight yard line. And he decided to uh, kick a field goal on fourth and four instead of go for a first down or go for a touchdown. Um, they kicked the field goal. They end up losing obviously by five. Um, it's, it's, and, and I'm, you know, I'm sure they had their own, their own factors that, that they weighed on that, but it's trying to get coaches who oftentimes, once the game's rolling, you want to go by the gut, right? You, you know, these guys are all kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of have that gambler mentality a little bit of you, you, you're feeling the vibe of the game and you're trying to make yeah. gut calls constantly. It's trying to get them out of their gut a little bit and, and, and start thinking a little bit about here's, here's what the right scenario is for the flow of this game, for the opponent, uh, how many drives you got left and all that of, Hey, maybe you should think about being a little bit more aggressive here. And certainly their clients have been way more aggressive. Yeah. Cause I've, one thing that I felt like has plagued the sport a little bit is guys being a little too scared to go for it because they fear not getting it, not making it and the consequences of what, what that is. I'll never forget. One of the things that got me interested in this topic was Dave Aranda's first year at Baylor. There was a yeah. time when they had fourth and I think it was like 10 on the 30 yard line on on uh, Texas's 30 yard line and they punted and I'm like why are we punting on from the plus 30 and then the next year he hired Jeff Grimes and they brought in championship analytics and then they became one of the most aggressive teams on fourth down and the interesting thing was for all the fourth downs they made they I think gained 86 points and for the ones that they failed they lost 21 points so even though teams got points on the fourth downs. They failed on their own side of the field. They still were net positive on it. Yeah. And Joey McGuire and Texas Tech used it, it heavily. Uh, they they It became a real signature in their win over Texas last year because they went, I believe it was six for eight against Texas in 2022 to upset that game. And the thing that fascinates me most about this, uh, Max, is you mentioned that they take the Vegas line to account. Because these ga- these books that make these decisions or that it- advise you what the best decisions are, they're based on opponent, home road. I don't know if weather is taken into account. Mm-hmm. But the the fascinating part is if you're the favorite or the underdog is taken into account and it changes how that book is drawn up for that game. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, every week um, they there's a, a setting sheet that uh, the school exchanges with uh, CAI um, and that's where they kind of figure out, Hey, how do we kind of fine tune for this week? Um, factoring, you know, the, the main one obviously is like, you, you want to, you want to kind of tell them, Hey, Hey, here's what our kicker max is, right? Our kicker mm-hmm. can, if you tell them our kicker can hit from 55, then they're going to factor that into the book, right. In terms of their recommendation on whether to kick or not. Um, but, but yeah, it's also factoring in who's the opponent and what's the line, how, what kind of game is this supposed to be? You know, if you're going to go play army, then, then they need to factor that into the book because mm-hmm. if you're playing army, you might have two possessions in the first half, right? <laughs> That's I mean, right. That's you've right. Got to, and and army is going to go for it every time, right? And yep. so um, you have to kind of factor the opponent a little bit. It's not just as cut and dried as um, statistically here's, um, you know, just based on success rate and things like that. All of this is kind of engineered for your, your uh, you know, uh, your win expectancy basically. And so um, they, and they've got the data to prove it. They've um, one of the things that that CAI touts is that um, with their clients that they've taken on in their first year of using the book, on average, they've improved their win total by one and a half wins. And so now at this wow. point, it, it, we, you know, we've mentioned Texas Tech, Baylor and stuff. This is not just a couple schools that's bought in on this. They now have over 80 FBS clients. They have most of the top 25. So this has kind of become mainstream now. Um, and yet it's interesting to me, too. 
you know, as you know, Sam, college football teams are not allowed to have, you know, iPads and tablets sent on mm-hmm. the field. There's not some automatic automated way to do this. So they send you a book that you print out from a printer and you're flipping through <laughs> the 60 pages and trying to find the right square on the right you're looking page. looking like Jimbo uh, Fisher on a looking through his play call stack of papers. <laughs> sure, sure. That's what they that's what the book guy has to do. He's got to keep a he's got to keep a tidy book and and know which page you're supposed to be on and uh you know, you do it from down on the field so you can have your head coach's ear, right? And not just be shouting about this stuff on the headset. So, um it, there's an art to doing it well. In, it's not just a matter of having the book and having the information, but then how do you use it? And then how does your head mm-hmm. coach use it? Cuz your head coach once you get to a game, your head coach could say, forget that. I know what I'm mm-hmm. doing, right? And so it's part of it is trying to train the head coach and know how to talk to them. And yeah, maybe you, maybe you tell the head coach, hey, the magic number is four. And they say, they tell the OC it's three. Um, but that's <laughs> that's just part of that's just part of it, right? You, you, yeah. they, they have to combine their feel for a game, mm-hmm. which is how they got this far as a head coach, with the the data that tells you, hey, don't, don't, um, you know, make too many, go, don't go against the percentages on this too much because uh, you could end up regretting it in a game. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And not every team that has it is going to use it the same way. Yeah. Uh, and, and, or use it to, to the full extent uh, if they have it. I think, I think that that much is clear, but appreciate you, Max. And thanks to you all for listening to until Saturday with Max and Sam, be sure you follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. So you'll be notified when new episodes are up. We always appreciate a five-star rating review. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel to check out Until Saturday live shows on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. Find the link in the show's description. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.